morning. It's great to be with you guys. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just a pleasure to, to, to join with you and, and uh, come and worship, worship with you this morning. Um, it's, a, it's a huge privilege to be able to share from God's Word, and I'm aware every time I do that just how much I need His help. But uh, I know we just prayed, but would you pray, pray with me again as we, we, we begin? Father God, thank you for, for this church and for how you're at work here. Um, thank you for this time we have together. Uh, uh, particularly this morning, I, I want to thank you so much for, for the Bible, uh, that you have revealed yourself and, you, and your son Jesus to us through it. And thank you that you continue to use it in our lives today uh, as your spirit is at work speaking to us through your words. Lord God, as, as we spend some time now exploring your word together, uh, we ask that you'd help us to be uh, listening and, and sensitive to the leading of your spirit. I ask that you would strengthen our faith and trust in you as we witness even more of your, of your great faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to spend a little bit of time this morning. Uh, if, I, if I'm not loud enough, just give me a shout or move further forward. Uh, uh, we're going to spend some time this morning looking at, at 1 Samuel chapter 2. Uh, so if you have a Bible, uh, maybe you can be turning there now. Uh, we're going to be reading it in just a, a few minutes. Um, 1 Samuel is in the, the Old Testament. It uh, comes just uh, after Judges and Ruth and, and just before uh, 2 Samuel, obviously, and, and then Kings. Uh, the passage we're going to look at this morning records a, a prayer of praise and thanks to God by Hannah. Uh, Hannah was the, the, the mother of the, the prophet Samuel. Um, but before we, we uh, read chapter 2 and get into it, let me just give some quick uh, background and context to, to this prayer that we're going to be looking at this morning. Uh, let, let me remind you of who's involved and, and what's going on as, as Hannah prays. Hannah was one of two wives of an Israelite named Elkanah. Um, the main thing that we know about Hannah from the first couple of chapters of, of the book of First Samuel is that she hadn't been able to have children. Uh, in contrast to Elkanah's other wife, uh, Peninnah, who, who had many children. Um, as in pretty much every case in the Bible that, that talks about uh, um, the practice of polygamy, where, where people have multiple wives, uh, it's a source of, of tension and conflict in the family. Uh, Peninnah derides and provokes Hannah uh, because of her childlessness. Hannah longed for God to, to give her a child of her own. And after years of, of heartache, God answered her prayer and her, her longings. Uh, but Hannah had, had promised that she would give her son into to God's service at, at the tabernacle. And so now the time has come uh, for Hannah to bring Samuel uh, to, to the tabernacle to live and serve there. And Hannah prays this prayer that we're going to look at this morning in response to God's uh, giving her a son. And so that, that's the, the situation, the, the background as we get to First Samuel chapter 2, uh, where we're going to be looking at, a bit more closely at Hannah and her prayer. Um, H- Hannah would have been really great at the, the quiz show catchphrase. 
Uh, do, do any of you remember the show? Uh, I, I don't know if it's still on, but it, 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 there you go. There you go. I, I used to watch it uh, when I was younger, and uh, hopefully you remember that the concept that there's a, a, a phrase that's de- depicted in a little animation, uh, and it's covered up by different squares, and then gradually the different pieces are kind of pulled away, and you, you have to guess uh, what it is, what the catchphrase is. Hannah would have been fantastic uh, at that show. Uh, she gets just one small piece uh, of, of God's uh, uh, revelation of his deliverance and rescue. And it's not even a, a centerpiece. It's out on the edge somewhere. She just sees one small bit of it uh, revealed. And she extrapolates a whole swathe of God's mercy and justice from this little piece. She only sees a small corner of God's plan of salvation, but she trusts so much in the goodness of God's character that, that she's willing to believe in him for the rest. Both Hannah and her prayer are, are a huge inspiration for us as we face difficult times and, and circumstances in our lives. And at the merest glimmer of light in the darkness, Hannah bursts out in praise and confidence in God. Uh, after her prayer, Hannah is going home in a world where God's priests are evil and debauched men. Uh, where she's leaving her child, uh, the, the single ray of hope in her life with a man who, who wasn't able to tell the difference between praying and drunkenness. Uh, so telling indictment uh, of which was more common in the tabernacle at that time. She's, she's going back home not knowing if more children are going to come. Uh, she, she's going home in, in Israel at a time, uh, uh, at the time of the judges. Um, the, the context of Hannah's life is that there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. The book of Judges vividly shows that the downward spiral of life in Israel is God's people uh, ignore him and sink deeper and deeper into the idolatry and darkness of the cultures around them. But in the middle of all the darkness, Hannah sees a glimpse of God's goodness, his faithfulness and justice, and she clings on tight to it. She says, yes, this is what's really true. This is what I can build uh, my, my life on. This is what I can trust. Do you want to hear the prayer of a woman like that? Let's read it together now. First uh, Samuel chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 1 to 10. Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumble are armed with strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who were hungry are hungry no more. She who was barren has borne seven children, but she who had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. 
He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Uh, in, in reading this prayer, one of the things I find most striking is the incredible trust and faith that Hannah places in God. Uh, Hannah has seen a, a miraculous and incredible answer to her, her prayer that, that's had a huge impact on her life. But it, it's far from the end of her struggles and worries. It must have been so difficult for Hannah to trust God and, and to, to leave little Samuel uh, at the, the tabernacle. Samuel would have been about three years old uh, when Hannah brought him to the tabernacle. Uh, my, my middle son Peter was, was four uh, just last, last weekend. I, I can't imagine the, the worry and turmoil Hannah must have felt dropping Samuel off at the tabernacle, knowing that she's not going to see him for, for months or, or maybe even a year. Uh, Hannah shows incredible trust in God to watch over Samuel as she goes home. As we look at her prayer together this morning, I want to look at, at four things this prayer shows us about the incredible trust and faith that Hannah displays. Uh, first, Hannah trusts God because of what she's seen. Um, and she trusts God uh, because despite appearances, God is in control. And thirdly, she trusts God, uh, she trusts that God will judge. Uh, and lastly, uh, because God will send his king. So there's four things I want to look at at Hannah's trust and faith. So let's first look at the the source of faith that Hannah talks about in her prayer. Uh, Hannah's faith flows out of what she's seen God do for her. Uh, Look look with me back at verse 1. My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. Hannah's prayer begins with this cry of delight in God. It would be hard to, to overestimate the, the kind of sense of vindication and reversal of fortune that, that having a child would mean for a childless woman in this culture and setting. She would have moved from a position of weakness and, and ridicule to one of strength and vindication in the face of her enemies. Her, her main enemy in this case is Elkanah's other wife, Penina. The, the birth of Samuel had a huge effect for Hannah uh, on how she viewed herself and also how other people viewed her. And because of the circumstances of Samuel's birth, she knows uh, even more clearly than usual that this reversal of inner fortunes is, is from God, that God has worked a miracle in her life, that he has clearly demonstrated his faithfulness to her. And so she's full of thanks and praise to him for what he's done. Um, I want to stop just for a minute and and address uh, something that's maybe particularly difficult uh, that we need to acknowledge and recognize when we're dealing with a story like this. Um, We can see really clearly in the story of Hannah how painful it can be to to long and hope for something that doesn't come. 
that you maybe think will never come in, in Hannah's situation to, to, to have a deep desire for a child and for whatever reason for that desire to be unfulfilled and it can be a, an intensely uh, painful thing and while we talk about the, the particular uh, cultural uh, pressures that Hannah faced, that doesn't in any way lessen the pain and difficulty that many people face today in relation to the same issue. Um, I'm, I'm really aware as I talk about this that there may be some people here or, or people we know and love for whom this is a, a particularly painful uh, issue. And so I want to acknowledge the, the hurt that a story like this might stir up uh, for some of us. There's a, a thread of these kinds of events that runs through the storyline of the Bible, uh, where childless women are eventually given a child by God. Uh, we see it in the stories of Sarah and Rebecca and Rachel in each of the first three generations after God chooses Abraham's family as his own special people. Uh, but we see it also in, with Samson's mother in the book of Judges, uh, with, with Hannah here, uh, with Elizabeth, the mother, mother of John the Baptist in, in Luke's Gospel. In each of these cases, God demonstrates that, he was, uh, uh, that what was humanly impossible is possible with God. Uh, that he is the one who's fulfilling his plan and purpose. In each case, God is, is making the point both that he is the source of all life, and that these births in particular are, are miraculous. The high point of this thread that runs through the Bible story comes with the, the miraculous birth of a, a child, not from a couple who have long struggled with infertility, but with the totally impossible birth from the womb of a virgin as the Son of God is born. When we trace this thread and see the blessing of God in these cases, that the fact that God eventually gave a child to these women, um, it, it may well feel even more painful to those who continue to struggle with this issue. Um, in the same way, it can be difficult to, to witness God's blessing uh, to, to friends and family as, as babies are being born uh, around you, while God seems to ignore your prayers and your pleading. Um, I, I don't have an answer as to why God allows uh, some people to face one particular struggle uh, over another or why some people seem to have uh, more and much deeper hurts to deal with than, than others uh, have to face we're going to look more later at the fact that we don't get to see the whole picture but I, I do want to say that, that just because some people continue to struggle with this or, or any other deep hurt for that matter, it doesn't mean that God has forgotten uh, them uh, or he's, that he's abandoned them. As we talk about the birth of Hannah's son this morning as, as proof of God's faithfulness to her, uh, please don't hear it as absence. Please don't hear the absence absence of your child or, or whatever else your hurt may be whatever else your heart is deeply longing for uh, don't hear that as proof that God has not been faithful to you again I, I don't have an answer but I do know that he wants you to keep wrestling and struggling with him as you deal uh, with the hurts in your life and hopefully you'll also be able to find people here in the church community to, to wrestle and struggle alongside you 
to be able to support uh, and encourage you in, in the midst of the hurt. Um, we don't all have the same struggles, but we don't have to have the same struggles to be able to show empathy and compassion for one another. Uh, and we shouldn't have to go through these things alone. And we, we all need each other's help. So a little bit of a long aside, but I think it's really important and, and worth taking time uh, to look at. Uh, if you have other questions or, or more uh, uh, questions about this issue, um, I'd be happy to talk to you or, or talk to Andrew or Lorna or somebody else that you trust in the church. I'm sure people will be happy to, to talk with you about these things. But let's get back to the book of Hannah and, and, and to or the book of Samuel looking at Hannah's faith. Um, she trusts God because of what she's seen him do for her. Um, that, that's how God works. Uh, we know that, that faith and trust and belief in God re- requires a leap of faith. It, it requires us to step out into the unknown and, and trust him. But God doesn't require blind faith. Our faith is always, uh, always based on something. It's based on what God has already done. Uh, Our faith is always a response to God's grace. For example, if we look at at Exodus 20, where God is giving his people the, the law, he begins by saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, you shall have no other gods before me. God grants his people's obedience and trust in him in the fact that he's already rescued them from slavery. The same is, is true for us. At 1 John 4:19 says, We love because he first loved us. Our faith and trust in God is, is based on the fact that he loved us first. Uh, while we were still enemies, Christ died for us. In, in the same way, Hannah's faith is grounded in God's faithfulness. Uh, she trusts because she's seen what God ha- has, has done for her. We don't need to take a, a blind leap of faith to trust God. Uh, he means for us to rely on the evidence of, of his faithfulness. Uh, the evidence is this might be big things or, or small things uh, in our lives there's all sorts of places we can look and we need to tell ourselves and, and to tell each other uh, some of the stories of God's faithfulness that we see uh, whether it's just small seeming coincidences uh, a lift to work showing up when our car broke down and we were desperate or, or a phone call just when we really needed to hear from a friend um, or, or there's some of the, the bigger stories that really shape our lives. Uh, for me, I, I think of the fact that I, I graduated uh, with a computer science degree in 2001, just as the, the tech bubble burst. Um, in the, the autumn semester of my final year, we had, had to go to a, a career seminar, and I vividly remember that the class sitting around a, a conference table um, and being told that the, the only reason that we wouldn't find jobs when we graduated in six months' time is if we didn't want them. Um, but if you fast forward a year from there, uh, out of the 80 or 90 people in my class, over 90% either hadn't been able to find work or had found a job and then been the first person to be let go as, as uh, uh, computing firms all over the country were making cutbacks. It was a, a really brutal time to be looking for work in IT, especially for someone who just graduated. Um, 
but, but looking back I know God was working that he was faithful because it, it led me to a change in direction and, and to pursuing a role working with Christian unions and, and that decision has shaped the whole of the rest of the, of the uh, direction of the last kind of 15 years or so of my life God is faithful even though uh, even at times where we don't understand or we, we're looking around thinking what's going on here God has been faithful to me through it all um, we need to hear these kind of stories and tell these kind of stories of God's faithfulness in our lives they, they strengthen our faith and they act as a confirmation to us uh, for the overarching story of God's faithfulness uh, in the death and resurrection of his son Jesus so secondly uh, Hannah trusts God because she's learned that despite how things often appear God is in control uh, the next section of Hannah's prayer weaves together two related themes uh, the incomparable power of God uh, and an encouragement to those who are weak and oppressed uh, we can see these things particularly in verses 2 to 8 uh, we see at the beginning of the section in, in verse 2 Hannah acclaimed that the uniqueness and power of God there is no one holy like the Lord there is no one beside you there is no rock like our God uh, and then in verses 6 and 7 she expands on this with uh, four um, merisms the technical term uh, a merism is a, a figure of speech where two opposites are used to represent everything in between um, so for example we, we might say we looked high and low for something uh, that doesn't mean we looked on the top shelf and on the bottom shelf and didn't look in the middle shelf it means we looked everywhere um, so so uh, uh, that's what a, a merism is um, so when Hannah says the Lord brings death and makes alive he brings down to the grave and raises up the Lord sends poverty and wealth he humbles and he exalts she's saying that God is in control both at the start and the end of our life and everything in between she's, he's totally responsible for giving us life and for everything that we have in life and so, so Hannah reminds us that even though um, sorry Hannah reminds us even though it's not that we trust God through a blind leap of faith n- neither do we get to see the whole picture and we're wise to remember that uh, this is a warning to the proud and an encouragement to those who are weak uh, look, at, look at verse 3 do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance for the Lord is a God who knows and by him deeds are weighed it might seem to us like we can tell who the winners and losers in life are uh, who's successful and who isn't but Hannah reminds us that we're not necessarily in a position to be able to properly evaluate everything that's going on there's an old uh, Chinese story that goes like this there was once a man who owned a beautiful horse and one day the horse ran away the man's neighbor came to him and said I heard about your bad news the man responds good news, bad news who can say a few days later the horse comes back and following it is another wild horse the neighbor is shocked at the man's wisdom and congratulates him on the good news the man responds again good news, bad news who can say 
later the man's son is riding the new horse and is thrown off and he, he breaks his leg again the neighbor comes over I'm so sorry to hear about your son what, what bad news of course the, the man's response is the same good news, bad news who, who can say the next week some of the emperor's men came to take all the able bodied young men to fight in a war and the man's son is spared because of his broken leg we don't know the future we can't properly judge the events of our life because our perspective isn't big enough there are all sorts of factors that we can't see or control but while this ancient Chinese parable advocates a concept of kind of detachment and acceptance of whatever comes the biblical worldview is different we don't know why the different events in our life are happening or what will follow from them any more than this Chinese farmer did but God knows and he's in control he knows the end from the beginning and because he's told us about himself told us about his character about what he loves and cherishes we know that however things seem now ultimately the wicked will not prosper ultimately the arrogant and the powerful won't get away with imposing their will on the world and and leaving others downtrodden and oppressed this is a theme that runs uh, all through the book of 1 Samuel uh, particularly uh, as the pride and arrogance of Saul is contrasted with the humility of David when we're tempted to doubt God uh, when we see people who ignore God and live based on their own understanding uh, and who seem to be doing better than we are uh, when obeying God and following his way seems to be just uh, bringing us more hurt and difficulty we need to remember that although at times things in our lives may seem bleak and difficult even though following God and obeying him might be extremely costly and challenging ultimately there's no benefit in compromise there's no advantage in following the self-seeking and self-aggrandizing way of the world the, the truth of the situation is this look at, look at verse 8 he raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap he seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor for the foundations of the earth are the Lord's on them he has set the world however things seem now ultimately we know who will try and our trust in him won't be disappointed Hannah trusts God because, she's seen, because of what she's seen and she trusts him with what she can't see um, the, the last two points will be shorter I promise um, let's first look briefly at the fact that God trusts because God or Hannah trusts because God will judge uh, it's easy enough for us to identify with Hannah's joy and praise in this prayer uh, we, we can get behind her enthusiasm uh, that those who are worn down like herself will be raised up but there's another element of this prayer that perhaps makes us a little bit more uncomfortable Uh, phrases like the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness and those who oppose the Lord will be broken these probably aren't the kind of things we're used to hearing on a a Wednesday morning prayer meeting or whatever 
this element of rejoicing in the destruction of God's enemies can be a little bit unfamiliar to us um, and, it, and maybe even a little bit uncomfortable isn't Jesus all about grace and forgiveness that the Bible is unapologetic in seeing God's judgment on those who are oppressing others as a good thing something that we should be thankful to God for as I've wrestled with this concept I've been really thankful for the work of a philosopher and theologian Miroslav Volf let me read you something that he wrote about God's judgment wrath and anger I used to think that wrath was unworthy of God isn't God love shouldn't divine love be beyond wrath God is love and God loves every person and every creature that's exactly why God is wrathful against some of them my last resistance to the idea of God's wrath was a casualty of the war in the former Yugoslavia the region from which I'm from Uh, according to some estimates 200,000 people were killed and over 3 million were displaced my villages and cities were destroyed my people shelled day in and day out some of them brutalized beyond imagination and I could not imagine God not being angry or think of Rwanda in the last decade of the past century where 800,000 people were hacked to death in 100 days how did God react to the carnage by doting on the perpetrators in a grandfatherly fashion by refusing to condemn the bloodbath but instead affirming the perpetrators basic goodness wasn't God fiercely angry with them though I used to complain about the indecency of the idea of God's wrath I came to think that I would have to rebel against a God who wasn't wrathful at the sight of the world's evil God isn't wrathful in spite of being loved God is wrathful because God is love if we're paying attention to the state of our world we know that there are terrible things going on on both large and small scales all over the world uh, in refugee camps and behind closed doors here in Wexford in politics and business and agriculture there's corruption and greed and contempt for life and health in the name of power and profit all of this can be really scary as we struggle to know how we should respond and we should respond but ultimately we can take great hope from the fact that God sees all of this injustice and he will judge those who think that they can do whatever they want because they're rich or powerful enough to be above the law are wrong they're terribly wrong because the last word isn't with human courts or human justice the last word belongs to the Lord and judge of the whole earth Uh, look back at verse 10 the most high will thunder from heaven the Lord will judge the ends of the earth God's people should take great comfort in this God isn't willing to say that the pain and misery that we and others in our world suffer doesn't matter he won't just brush it aside or or look the other way he's completely just and because of that we can trust him and finally this morning uh, and finally in Hannah's prayer there's what there is this great hope that God will send his king 
Now, at the time Hannah was praying, uh, there was no king in Israel. But she trusts that God will send his king. Look at the second half of verse 10. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Little did she know that it would be her own son, Samuel, who would anoint the king whom God would send. This is what First and Second Samuel are all about. That God will raise up his king, his Messiah, to protect and save his people. Hannah trusts God for the king that is yet to come. And if we read through First and Second Samuel, we see God's king, his Messiah, emerging and being victorious. At times we're, we're amazed by David uh, as we see his victories and his heart for God, his humility and his worship. But we also see some pretty ugly failures and, and evident weakness in David's life. And to be honest, we're, we're left asking, is, is this it? But, but of course we know that David isn't it. But, but this isn't all we have to hope in. Because we know that we can hear echoes of the prayer of Hannah in the prayer of of Mary in Luke chapter 1. That the faithfulness of the Lord marches on through the ages and that now we can look back on the coming of God's true King, uh, His true anointed. And our faith and trust in God is anchored in Him. But we also look forward to the coming day when our King will return and when He will for all time lift up the humble and feed the hungry. We have much more of the picture of God's rescue and redemption than than Hannah ever got to see. We get a much better view of God's plan. We know who God's King is and what He's done for us. And so even though there's still lots that we don't know, and lots of situations where we need to do the hard work of trusting God when we can't see what he's doing or how this could possibly be part of his plan. There's lots that we do know. Um, so let's join with Hannah as she praises God and delights in him. Uh, and let's also stand with her in her trust and faith as she clings tightly to God's faithfulness and, she, uh, and to the promise of his coming king. Uh, let's, let's pray together. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Father God, we thank you for your faithfulness. But we know uh, that we often need your help as we struggle to trust you. Uh, please use these words of your servant Hannah to shore up our shaky faith. Uh, set our hope on Jesus in whose name we approach your throne with a confidence that we don't deserve and that we have not earned. Amen.